Hello guys, welcome to my podcast, Lovely Linky Inspirations, where the intent is to encourage, motivate, and inspire you. I will share with you my journey and expertise as a nonprofit co-founder, a therapist, a PhD student, a mommy and wife. I am also here to help uplift all single women, whether you are a woman who has never been married, previously married, and now a divorcee or widow as well as to help build, support, and celebrate couples who are courting, engaged, and married. So come now, join me as we encourage, motivate, and inspire each other. Hello guys, welcome to Lovely Linky Inspirations. Today is our 16th episode in our first season. I am honored to say that today I am joined by another special guest. His name is Chris Kubik. Chris is an educator, and in recent years, he has been serving in the educational community as a principal at a high school. However, he also volunteers a tremendous amount of time giving back to the community in various ways. One of those ways being sharing in dialogue surrounding topics of injustice, race, and inequality. We recently sat down for a Facebook Live discussion where Chris shared miscommunications and misconceptions when discussing race. Please listen past the live connection issues, guys. With that, come now, join me and Chris as we talk a little bit about miscommunications and misconceptions when discussing race. It's okay as well. So, Lord, I just thank you um, this afternoon, this evening, for bringing us um, together. Lord, I thank you for Chris, dear God, and just the purpose on his life, dear God, that you continue to guide and lead his steps, dear, dear Father. Lord, I pray for his family, his children, and his wife, dear God, that you continue to protect and keep them, dear God, and may in their eyes his children see a dad that... Um, is, is helping to make a difference in the world, dear God, and that they may grow up to be children and to be um, young people and adults who will make changes in the world themselves, dear God. Lord, I thank you for everyone who is listening um, to the live right now and watching, dear God, and even those that will watch later on, dear God, that something that will be said, a question that may be asked, dear God, will spark something in them um, for change, dear God. In your mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. And so now I'm going to hand it over to you, Chris. Introduce yourself, and the rest is on you. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for hosting. Thanks for everybody joining. Uh, I'm Chris Kubik. I'm a Zion resident, and I've been doing racial equity work for several years. I just kind of stumbled into it. So I just want to tell you where my heart is in doing this, and then uh, we'll get into the topic of misconceptions and miscommunications when talking about race. So my journey toward understanding race and racism has been long and winding. And uh, my heart here is just to um, explain some of the aha moments and some of the things that tripped me up and how I got over that. It's not that I think that I've achieved some kind of enlightenment and now I'm better than others and you can sit at my feet and learn from my wisdom. That's, that's not it at all. But I think... Uh, there are some things that, like I said, trip me up. And if I can share, this is how I got over that, or this book or that resource or even that meme or something like that, or this conversation really helped me to understand this or that, that's what I'm going to share with people. And I want to offer people, um, I will several times during this little broadcast, there's a website that I'm using and that I'm still building 
ideally it, it'll eventually have a list of answers to the question, mm. what's stopping you from doing anti-racist work? Mm. One of the most, that was one of the most profound questions that I had ever been asked. It was early in my journey of racial consciousness. Somebody asked me, what holds you back from doing anti-racist work? And so as I've reflected over the years, I've had many answers to that. First, I don't know what you mean by anti-racist mm. work. Well, that's one answer. Another one is I support blue lives or I believe all lives matter and that that's holding me back. I'm resentful when somebody says that I have white privilege mm. because I, I'm insulted by that or, okay, I'm, I'm in, I want to do racist, anti-racist work, but I don't know where to start or I don't have allies and I feel alone in it. So this document will have all of those questions and eventually, as soon as I get there, when you click on that answer, like number one, what is anti-racist work? It'll take you to another document where I explain that and kind of my journey of understanding and I link various resources that were helpful for me. So like the one about all lives matter. So what's holding me back from anti-racist work? Well, I'm still hung up on this idea of all lives matter. Does it have to be black lives matter? Mm. Uh, what, what's the deal with that? Well, click on that one. It'll take you to a, a page that will explain, um, again, just from my perspective, uh, hey, thanks for the hearts. Uh, just from my <laughs> perspective about uh, how I, I overcame that. And again, there'll be links and things like that. So I'll give the website now. And Cynthia, can you put it in the comment section so yes. people can see it? Yes, I will. Okay. It's, uh, it, remember, people, this is under construction. So there's kind of a shell on there, and it explains my overall vision, but um, it needs to be organized, so don't judge me too much. So it's www.tinyurl.com. So tinyurl.com slash discussing race and racism, all one word. Discussing race and racism. You can see I got really creative with the title there, but um, yeah, it's to the point. So on there, there's a link to a Google form if you want to sign up for more group things like this or individual dialogues. Or if you want to email me um, or even talk on the phone, then you can sign up for that. And you can see the questions, I guess the answers to the question, what's holding you back from doing anti-racist work? And then there's, um, again, it's not organized yet. It's just a, a whole slew of resources that I have found to be really helpful from books to um, podcasts and TED Talks and online articles. So uh, keep an eye on that website. I hope to have that done sometime in my lifetime. But uh, that's kind of where my heart is on all of this. So the topic that I, I wanted to address is misconceptions and miscommunications when talking about race. And I think when talking about any controversial issue, including but not limited to race, I think the root of the misconceptions and miscommunications is on, assumptions second, that we make. Yeah. You are, you are breaking up a yeah. bit. I don't know why oh, that okay. is, and I don't want anyone to miss it. Go again. Let okay. me hear you. So I think the root of misconceptions and miscommunications when talking about race or anything controversial is assumptions we make about the other person. So I brought some of my kids' toys to illustrate this. So if y'all can see in front of me, and hopefully that's visible. They said so, you have to hold uh, them up. If you oh, I have to them, hold them up? Yeah, because okay. the, the emojis and everything is covering it up. So if you show them, then hold them up a bit. That's what they're saying in the comments. Okay. And 
And I have just released any sense of shame from using my kids' toys <laughs> in this little talk. So yeah, that's just going to be how it is. So on this side, on the right, we have Toad and Thomas, the train. And on this side, we have Marshall, the fire dog, and Ashima, also from Thomas, the train. So, yep, <laughs> just four random toys that I found laying around here. So what's happening, and this really worries me, Cynthia, it, this really worries me because this is happening more and more mm -hmm. in society at large. We're losing the ability to talk with each other, yeah. and it, it has dire consequences. So what's happening is, let's say on any issue, you have two sides. You have the right side and the left side. So Thomas and Toad are on the right side, so we'll say they're conservative. Mm -hmm. And Marshall and Ashima are on the left side, so we'll say that they're liberal. So from the liberal side, the conservatives all seem the same. But in reality, Toad has a very extreme conservative position. Thomas has a moderately mm -hmm. conservative position. Over here, Ashima has a really strong liberal opinion, really radical. Marshall has a moderate one. But again, from the perspective of the other side, they're all the same. same. Mm -hmm. and, and so what happens is, let's take a, one of the issues going on right now, this idea of defunding or abolishing the police. Yeah. Getting rid of all police <laughs> is a really extreme position. That's all the way over yes. here. Just wanting to reform mm -hmm. the police is a moderately liberal position. But what's happening is the conservatives put all the liberals together and are like, I know what you're going to say. You want to get rid of all police. I don't want to talk mm. to you. Well, then the liberals do it to the conservatives too. You know, oh, you're one of those? That means you must believe this. Yes. You're a conservative, you must be a racist. Yes. You're a liberal, you must be a snowflake. Mm -hmm. And so in reality, Marshall, with that moderate opinion of reforming, has little in common with Anisha, uh, uh, Ashima, who wants to get rid of all mm -hmm. police. Thomas, who has a moderate conservative opinion actually has more in common with Marshall, who has a moderate liberal opinion. If these two talked, they would actually have a good conversation and realize they have a lot of common ground. Yes. But instead, what's happening is, again, oh, you're on that side. Mm -hmm. You must believe this. I don't want to talk to you. So we have to get back to talking with each other yes. and listening to each other, dropping those assumptions, because not only does that prevent it, it breaks down communication but also look what happens so get rid of these people thomas and toad don't want to talk to anybody on the other side toad is the extreme one mm -hmm. if thomas can't talk to these people who's the only one left for him to talk to mm. <laughs> and that's how people get turned get pulled into extreme Dreams. because yeah, because we lose this ability to dialogue and we're so busy with these pre preconceived notion that I know what you're going to say. I don't want to talk to you that you don't know what they're going to say. So I think that is at the root of a lot of uh, misconceptions and miscommunication. And if we can get back to the part of not prejudging people and assuming where they're coming from and listening to them, we may have this aha moment that, oh, huh, I didn't think you were going to say that. Yeah. We actually have a lot in common, and that that happens a lot with race as well. I agree. One of the, one of the, I guess the the words, the the concepts that trips people up that this happens with is the idea of privilege. So, again, people, 
if you're talking to somebody who's kind of on the other side, you have this preconceived notion, oh, you believe in privilege, you're just going to play the race card. Oh, you don't believe mm. in privilege, you're, you don't believe racism exists at all. What? Oh, hold on. Wait. Talk to each other. And clarify what you mean by what you're talking about. What exactly like do you that. mean about privilege? I, I think that should be one of the first questions that we ask. What do you mean by whatever? whatever. So, I mean, back to the police advantage, the police example. I just learned this. Abolishing and defunding the police does not mean getting rid of all police. <laughs> I didn't know that. Mm. So if two people are sitting there arguing, you want to get rid of all the police. No, I don't. And they're not even arguing about the right thing. Right. Yes. So again, if, if what, what do you mean by defund? What do you mean by abolish? What do you mean by support? When you're talking about, I support Black Lives Matter or All Lives Matter. What do you mean by All Lives Matter? What do you mean by Black Lives Matter? Let's clarify the terms first. It took me a while to drop my defensiveness about privilege because I assumed that it meant that everything was handed to me mm -hmm. and everything was easy and I didn't earn anything mm -hmm. or work for anything. And that's not what it means. Yes. It just means that I have some advantages. Yes. And skin color was not one of those things that was presenting a difficulty for me. Yes. That fundamentally changed the conversation once I listened enough to understand that. And again, I think we, we need to get back to that. Another term that is often at the root of misconceptions and miscommunication is white supremacy. When you hear white supremacy, a lot of people think of like the, the KKK and outright whites are superior and non-whites are inferior. Well, white supremacy is not just that. And here's the problem. If you only define white supremacy as that, you can kind of absolve yourself from it and say, well, I don't do that. I don't believe that. So I had nothing to do with white supremacy. But I do, as a, a white person, I don't belong to the KKK. I don't support any right, of that. Right. I don't support any of that outright white supremacy. But there's still this notion that white is the norm and anything outside of that is not the norm. Yeah. And there's still this, this favoritism toward the white culture and this distrust of non-whites. That's white supremacy, too. So if I'm going to engage in a conversation about white supremacy, if I'm going to learn anything, I need to drop my assumptions of what it is and isn't and really listen to somebody. Hey, oh, I didn't think of it that yes. way. That's what I want. Same with racism. That's another one that's very often a, a miscommunication because people often think of, well, racism is individual acts of aggression, calling somebody the N-word or something like that. Well, yeah, it is, but it's also a systemic thing. Yes. It, and again, if I define it only as these individual acts of meanness, if I don't do that, then I'm not involved in racism. But again, I am. Mm. I have benefited from the color of my skin. I've faced fewer obstacles because of the color of my skin that put me at an advantage. My family, being white, has had historically more opportunities to build wealth. Yes. And they may have had a better experience in the education system, which allowed them my parents to support me in my educational journey. If I came from a family that did not have a good system of education and didn't trust the education system, it would be very different. Yes. That's racism. That's systemic racism. That doesn't mean that I'm walking around calling people the N-word, but it's something that I need to deal with and try to dismantle. And so again, my plea to everybody is just watch your assumptions. Try to catch yourself. What am I assuming that this person believes and then just make sure that you're defining the words that you're talking about what do you mean by 
I think it's good to get that out on the table first. Yeah. So uh, let me pause there and catch up on any questions and comments. Right. Let's go um, here. Deidre says, interesting thoughts. The use of the toys, Chris, illustrates the importance of having people in your circle that don't think the same as you. Right. Or look the same right. as you because every all of them look differently as well. Mm -hmm. That's very good. Um, trying to see if anything else. And while I'm scrolling, Chris, I did want to say that even you uh, as a white person, a Caucasian man saying to me privilege, what it, it could mean or what it did mean to you. I never even phantomed that as, as, a, as a, a black person. Like, what do you mean you don't see you have white privilege, but how you explained it um, made sense to me. So like you said, it's important to have dialogue because that's yes. something very yes. basic and simple. But in my mind, it's like, that's what you should get it. <laughs> Because you, right. you know, right. you have white privilege, but how you received it and internalized it and interpreted it is totally different than what I was, than what I am saying and what it, it means to me as a black person. Right. And, and, and if you had looked at me as a white person and just judged me based on that and that one comment, we would never have had that conversation. Yes. We would never have had that aha moment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, how, how many great relationships and great dialogues don't happen because of these assumptions that people make? Yes, yes. Uh, Kyle, I appreciate starting with curiosity and clarifying what terminology means. Yes, very important. Yes. Thank you. So uh, something else that kind of um, is a little offshoot from this, but it's another assumption that leads to miscommunications and misunderstandings. Um, if any of my former students are on here, first of all, a lot of this should sound familiar, but this part too, this idea of outgroup homogeneity. So an in-group is any group that you belong to. And I don't mean like the National Honor Society, but I mean like a, a category. Like my in-groups are males and whites and obviously very handsome people. So those are my in-groups. <laughs> outgroups are any, out groups are any group that I don't belong to. So women, um, people of color, tall people, that's an out-group for me too. So we tend to think of people in an out-group as all the same. Mm. And we see this along racial lines a lot. Um, and it, it kind of goes back to the thing with the toys. Like liberals may think, conservatives all think the same thing. I think we know in our head that that's not right, right. but it, it just, it's just kind of an automatic thought that, oh, well, this is what conservatives think and this is what liberals think. Mm -hmm. So we do that racially as well. And I remember a conversation with another white guy who was really frustrated because he felt like black people take this one little bit of white culture and assume that that's how all white people are. And like there, there's this meme about some ignorant thing that some redneck hillbilly did. And they're like, they think that's what white culture is. That's not my white culture. My culture is different from that. And so I get that. But how often do we as white people do that? We see a black culture as this one thing. What we yes. see on MTV, you know, guns and drugs and, uh, you know, all of that. But black culture is so much more uh, multifaceted than yes. that. There's, there's such a, a close-knitness to the families. There's the, the fashion and the music and the, the food. food. And just, there's so, <laughs> yeah, there's so much to black culture 
there's a lot of different facets to it. So just like I, I would resent if somebody said, well, you know, all white people are the same. No, we're not. Yeah. No, we, can, we have all kinds of different cultures. Mm-hmm. Well, why can't we do that with blacks? Why can't whites see that black culture is multifaceted? I don't like the MTV culture. Mm-hmm. I don't like the emphasis on drugs and gangs mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. But that's not all of black culture. And so, again, I just make this assumption that they are all the same. We do that with um, Hispanic and Latino Mm -hmm. people, too. Hispanic and Latino are not interchangeable. It's different groups of people. (laughs) Right. And so I, I didn't know that until fairly recently. But again, they're they're kind of all the same it's all Hispanic or it's all Latino. Mm-hmm. But no, somebody from Mexico is going to have a different culture than somebody from El Salvador yes. and somebody from Bolivia mm-hmm. um, and somebody from um, Haiti. So uh, again, catching yourself making assumptions helps. And the more people you get to know and the more dialogues you have, that's what brings those out groups in. They call it reducing social distance. So if yes. you're really far from something, mm. I mean, think about looking at a, a mountain. You're really, really far from a mountain. It looks like this one big, huge thing. But as you get closer, you see the different facets and the different paths of the mountain. Well, the same thing happens with groups. When you're really far away from a group and you have no interaction with them, you don't know anybody from that group, they all look the same. Okay. So the way to, to deal, with the, deal with that is to shrink that social distance, get to know people who are in that group, and then you realize, oh, man, this is, this is so different from what I thought it was, and it's just so multifaceted. So, again, it, it goes back to dialoguing, avoiding assumptions, really listening, and diversifying your circle. I think that's a, a key to this. Yes, and I think Jer- Jerry echoes the same sentiments here because he says, um, don't assume all Caucasian people had great upbringings and, and African-Americans had poor upbringings. Assumptions equate stereotyping. Very true, very, very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we do right. that. I think we're all guilty of that. I don't think one race over the other <laughs> does that. No, I... I, th- I think it's a natural human tendency. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many there's so many stimuli in our world. We have to group and categorize mm-hmm. things, otherwise we'd be totally overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So, but we just have to be careful not to substitute somebody's identity for somebody else's identity mm-hmm. when we don't know them. You know, we just assume that they're they're more similar than they are. I have a question, and you, you may not be able to answer. But how do how do we train ourselves or stop ourselves from thinking that way what what do we do do we have to keep reminding ourselves we can't put everybody is that it is that just a self-talk thing that we need to do each time we find ourselves doing that or is that some other way to ensure that we're not doing that i think that helps in the the psychology and counseling fields you know this there's a (laughs) the saying awareness is curative so just being aware of Mm -hmm. something can help Mm mm-hmm I think being deliberate about diversifying your circle mm-hmm. and uh, you, you don't have to be best friends with somebody. I mean, don't be awkward and go up to somebody and he's like, hey, you're different. I want to be your friend. Don't do that. And don't tell anybody that I said to do that, please. <laughs> uh, but diversify your circle. Try to patronize businesses that you wouldn't ordinarily patronize. Try to go to um, the religious services of something that's different from you. Try to 
do a little bit of reading research on your own. Try to watch some movies, uh, get to know some music from people that are different. In doing that, you'll interact with those people who mm-hmm. love that music. You know, let, let's say you, you start listening to Louis Armstrong, yeah. and then you get into all the, oh, man, I know, do you know about this guy, this guy? Yeah. So just being deliberate about diversifying our circles and start small. If you love music, start there. If you love fashion, start, start. there. If you love food, start yeah, there. Yeah. You know, and ask a friend to take you to, to um, actually did this and asked a friend to take me someplace for soul food because mm. I didn't get what soul food is. And so I'm kind of a fan now. It's a little <laughs> spicy, but I'm kind of a fan. And so it's just start small, start with what you like and try to diversify your circles and be intentional about that. And, and I think then that dialogue will come a little bit more naturally. Yeah, I, I like that because I think what you're saying in simple forms is if we are within these circles, it helps to eliminate those assumptions because, you know, if I know you, Chris, and I interact with you, Chris, I don't have to assume because I know Chris, I understand Chris. So until we start putting ourselves in these spaces and these circles, um, those assumptions will continue to happen. Yeah, right. And, you know, I, I would also encourage people to learn and grow on their own. And I, yeah. I put this on that website, that tiny mm. URL website. It's something that I learned that, honestly, I had a hard time with at first. I was, I have been cautioned several times when doing anti-racist work. Don't ask people of color to do emotional labor. Don't ask people of color about their experience with racism. It takes a special relationship to do that because, mm. again, this it's easy for me to talk about because I have very rarely experienced anything with regard to this color of my skin. And when I have, it's not that big of a deal. But asking somebody who may feel like their life is in danger or they've been significantly disadvantaged, asking them to talk about it, is that's asking a lot. It's traumatic, and you're asking them to kind of relive or talk about that trauma. So I would encourage white people to do some work by reading on your own until you establish those relationships of trust with people of color. And then you can ask them of that because it's a bigger deal than we understand. And I'm speaking from my own experience. Um, I was kind of insulted by that at first. Like, okay, you want me to learn about anti-racism, but you don't want me to talk to you about it. I was kind of like, well, what, what do you expect of me? But then I'm like, you know what? This is another area of privilege. I have the advantage of not having to talk about something deeply personal and traumatic about that. Mm. I don't know what that's like right. to have somebody ask me about something traumatic. I can imagine if I were, if somebody were to ask me kind of cavalierly, hey, can you talk about this horrible thing that happened to yeah. you? Okay, I, I didn't think about it like that. So on that, um, that website, I have a, a whole bunch of resources like uh, movies, The Hate You Give, it's really good kind of mirrors a lot of stuff going on right now. Yeah. Um, Tim, Tim Wise, Dear White America. Um, uh, this one is really good. Well, Waking Up White by Debbie Irving. It's about her journey of uh, white privilege, uh, understanding what white privilege is. Um, this one is outstanding. So you want to talk about race by Ijeoma Olua. Uh, has a lot of guidelines about... Well, talking about race is kind of all in the title, but I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. This one's really historical, Harvest of Empire, about um, Hispanics and Latinos in America. So there's all kinds of recommendations for books 
if you don't want to start with a book, oh, here's here's a comic book by um, John by John Lewis about the march on Selma, and it's an actual comic book. So people wow. who like that, so I thought that was pretty cool. Is everything backward on your screen? Yes. Oh well, it's okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Facebook newbie here, so. Um, but there are all kinds of recommendations for books and websites, um, TED Talks and articles and stuff like that. So try to do a little bit of the work on your own before asking a person of color to engage in that. Again, that's just from my personal experience. That's one of my missions is to help people do that work and kind of get the foundation. And that's, that's why I want to do things like this. But um, the other thing that... I've been seeing some memes about this lately, and it's good, and it took me a while to be here, too. It's okay to change course. Mm. If you have been supporting All Lives Matter, yeah. and you, and now you're like, okay, I see why that bothers some yes. people. It's okay to grow. It's okay mm -hmm. to make you know, mistakes, and it's okay to reverse course. Yeah. Um, there's a famous, well, I don't know if it's famous, it's famous to me, but there's a song that I used to listen to all the time, and it says that in change might be admission of regret, and I'm not ready for that yet. And so it, it's hard to change, but we have to. It's totally okay to say, hey, I learned something on this. So I just want to encourage people as somebody who had that difficulty before, it's okay. Yeah. You can grow. Yeah, and we do that in all aspects of our lives, right? If we make more money or less money we have to go and redo the budget you know we make goals for ourselves yeah. we have to so it's, it's, it's always okay to do that it's not moving backward or it's not um to make us feel bad about where we were at it's that it's, it's we're growing and we should mm -hmm. we should appreciate that and I, do you want me to read some more of these um comments here yeah, and then I have a, one more piece of advice or something specific that people can do. So don't let me forget about that. But yeah, please okay. go ahead. Okay, so Sophia says, yes, on Latino culture. If I had a dime for how many times people have said to me, oh, I thought Mexicans and Puerto Ricans are the same. <laughs> and Deidre, did you want to add to that? <laughs> no. What, what, what can I say? <laughs> Very true. The bottom line is to give others a, a, a chance. Jesus says that, um, which is very true. Kyle says, yes, it's time for white people to do some reading and learning. Um, I send you. And so, um, Chris, let me ask this. There's more, there's more comments, but I really want to stop right here because I agree with you about, you know, that there should be some um, independent learning, but I think you also say we should um, dialogue, right? We should have yes. some dialogue with that because I also believe that no amount of books that you read can tell you really how to treat me, right? And um, I will have a different perspective on some things than another one of my black brothers or a sister, right? And so, and like you said, we're so diverse, we're so um, mixed with, with, with everything. I'm a black woman, but not African-American. So my eyes are very different, my perspective. I can't see some of the things that black Americans see, see you know, because of where I was born. And so I think, you know, that dialogue, both are, are important. Yes, it, absolutely. It, it's not an either or. It's mm -hmm. not, 
read on your own or talk to somebody. Do a little bit of reading so you have kind of a basic foundation. And just be careful as you approach those conversations. Because, again, it does take kind of a, a depth of relationship, a little yes. bit of trust with yes. that. Yes. And, and this, is, this is the thing that I wanted to mention, another specific thing that people can do. Invite other people in. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm trying to do. I've done a little bit of this work. I have a little bit of experience. Again, not that I'm super enlightened, but I want to invite other white people. Hey, talk to me. I'll fill you in on some of the basics, and I'll help you through the journey. And then another aspect of invitation is oftentimes people of color may not feel safe physically or emotionally, uh, psychologically, mm -hmm. in a certain place. Mm -hmm. and, and so it helps to invite them. And I'll give you an analogy, since I know he's watching. Uh, Jerry, he's, he's my big friend. We used to play basketball. He's six foot six, and I am not. And so um, oftentimes I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm self-conscious about going on the basketball court. And, and he'll tell you about this. Like, I, I won't even play without him. So I, I would not go onto a basketball court and be like, hey, guys, let's play basketball. But if he invites me, I feel a little bit safer about it. Yes. And I, I really like that analogy because um, in my profession in education, we know that we would like more families of color to participate in the education system and like after school events and parent programming and stuff like that. But they often have reported that they don't feel safe and not physically, but yes. psychologically. psychologically. They feel like, yes. yeah, this is open to everybody, but people are kind of looking at me out of the corner of the eye and mm -hmm. like, okay, there's the angry black lady or, you know, what, what, are, what are they doing there? And nobody will say anything, but there's just that lingering fear. Yes. This is another aspect of privilege that I've come to understand. People don't have to say much. There's just that extra thing in the back of your mind, and it has to be exhausting. So if you can invite somebody into a space that they may not feel comfortable, if you can be that, that go-between like Jerry is for me mm -hmm. with playing basketball, I think that would help people of color feel more comfortable in those spaces where they need access to positions of power. Right. And again, it, it, don't be weird about it. Don't call it a random person <laughs> that you don't know and be like, hey, come to the school board meeting with me. It, it should be embedded in a relationship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but... The more the more that we can invite other people in and share and uh, help clear the path for them, I think the better. Yeah, I so agree because then I'll be like, why 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 do you want me to come? What are you gonna do to me? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna get all these emails and phone calls. Uh, this person just had a really awkward call and told said that you told them to. No, I didn't. Know the person, have a relationship. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think one of do not want to mess up the person's first name. The last name is Meyer. They said, hi, Mr. Kubik, but it's Sine. I don't want to say Sine, you. Oh, Sintayu. Okay. Hey. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then Rodona says, I think we need to do some unlearning. I think we also need to do some unlearning. Very true. There's a lot of things that we can unlearn. What's one of those unlearning that we need to do, Chris? Well, 
I, you know, I hate to be redundant, but whenever I have learned one thing, it kind of unlearns something else. Like that whole idea of black culture being one thing. Yes. I used to be really frustrated with black culture. And whenever anybody wanted to talk about anti-racism, I'm like, well, what, what about black culture? They're glorifying, they mm-hmm. are glorifying this, that, and the other thing. And then when I, again, when I listened and realized that, okay, wait, this is one aspect, aspect. of black culture. Yeah. That doesn't define all of black culture. Mm-hmm. And there are people in the black community who are saying, who are denouncing that and saying, no, that's, we want better than that. Yeah. What about this aspect mm-hmm. of black culture? So again, in anything you learn, especially from listening to somebody else, is something, an opportunity to unlearn something else. So I was able to unlearn some of that stereotypical thinking about all black people uh, or all black culture being the same. same. So I think that's... That's, I think, one of the key things is just unlearning that tendency to make assumptions Mm -hmm. and to stereotype and to break down dialogue. Right. And we need to to do unlearning too, right? (laughs) Yeah, everybody Everybody does. Everybody does, yes. So Sandra says, both sides being able to come to the table with an open mind and heart willing to learn. Very true. Like we're doing here right now. There's a, a great number of people on here, and I, I think of different races, ages, and, and um, gender, and we're we're learning. You're teaching me, Chris. <laughs> well, thank uh, you. You always do. Uh, he's an education guy, so this guy, so this is so natural for him. For those of you who don't know, um, Kyle says thanks, thanks for that nuisance and perspective. I think earlier when I mentioned that dialogue is important with the teaching. And Jerry says, um, Chris gets uncomfortable after he knocks down a couple of trees. Chris gets comfortable after he knocks down a couple of tree pointers. (laughs) Well, I'm not going to post anybody up. What else can I do? Uh, Yeah. Unless I'm playing the neighborhood third graders. Yes. Yeah, but it, it's funny. I've actually learned a lot through basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, that idea of um, what it feels like to be scrutinized, and again, this is a real learning experience. Early on, I thought, okay, well, uh, oftentimes when I play basketball, I'm one of only a few white guys on the court, and I feel like they don't think I can play. And if I play well, it's like they're surprised. Mm-hmm. Or if I steal the ball from them or if I hit a shot over them, it's like, oh, you did, you got did by the white guy. Or, and if I play bad, and it's like, told you, white men can't jump. <laughs> so rarely has anybody said anything about my skin color, but I think they're thinking it. Mm-hmm. And it's enough to kind of derail my game. And it's just that thing in the back of my mind. And it's exhausting. And now I used to think, that, okay, well, I, I understand what it's like to be a minority yeah. because of that. Mm, no, I got a tiny, tiny taste of it because honestly, all I have to do is step off the basketball court yeah. and then I'm back in my safety zone. Yeah. And, it, and even so, what are the stakes? <laughs> so I don't play well. Yes. So what? If somebody is being discriminated against and it's impeding their access to education or jobs or making them feel physically unsafe, that's that's huge. Yeah. So I, I think we should look for opportunities where we are, white people, are in a situation of being the minority. Yes. But we can't take that too far and mm-hmm. be like, oh, I, I get it. No, no, no. Keep that dialogue going. Yes. Use that as a, a common reference. Mm-hmm. And again, some of those um, 
some of those conversations that I had with people about that. Hey, I experienced this. It made me feel like this. Yes. And imagine taking that with you everywhere. Every imagine day. not being able to escape it. Every oh, day. <laughs> I, I, had, I hadn't thought about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, again, the, the dialogue. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, people can use it as an excuse. People can take it too far. But again, it's that nuance. That's a good word to use, mm -hmm. Kyle. It's the nuance and the relationship and the dialogue. Talk to each other. Yeah. Don't make assumptions that, oh, they're playing the race card or, or whatever. Talk and learn and, and listen. Just because some people may abuse some of these ideas doesn't mean that they are not valid. Yeah. Yeah, very true. And just the thought that you can choose to go on that basketball field um, court and choose to walk off of it, but we can't. We have no choice. Right. <laughs> you no, know, right. we didn't choose. And so, right. you know, that even adds another layer to it. Yeah. Yeah. We have more people joining. <laughs> hey, all right. <clears throat> saying they're watching did you say your point you said for me to remind you of something did you say did you say it yeah okay. i don't remember what it was but oh no it was the, it was the idea of inviting people and yeah. helping to um just to be an ally and mm -hmm. invite them yeah so for, for people who have just joined i i do and i'll put this on my facebook page as well I'm working on that website, um, tinyurl.com slash discussing race and racism. Is it live Again, yet, Chris, or no? Because I was trying yeah, to it, it. it's live. Did I type something wrong? I think I did something wrong because it's not coming uh -oh. up for me. Okay, tiny, T-I-N-Y-U-R-L-U-R-L.com, right, slash discussing and discussing race and racism yes okay i spelled discussing right right d oh my goodness yeah i don't know why it's not coming up for me well it, i i will make sure that it comes up okay. um and then that I'll, I'll post the URL on my Facebook. But again, the idea on there is um, eventually you'll be able to click through a bunch of statements and questions and get some resources. What's on there now is kind of an overview mm -hmm. as well as uh, a link to a survey so that you can be contacted for more events like this and personal dialogue. And then a list of resources, um, again, books and movies and podcasts and whatnot. So that's what's on there now. And I'll keep working on the whole thing about click here to be taken to that page mm -hmm. to answer that question. Yes, I'm just trying to see if I can get to it. I think I must have missed something. There it goes. Okay, I see it now. Okay, let me do it from here. I want to make sure I put it back in here for everybody. Okay, you can oh. continue, Chris. I'm sorry. Um, any other comments or questions? I don't want to miss anybody. Nothing yet. Nothing yet. Nothing yet. So I'm going to type it back in here for everyone, guys. Sorry about that. So just kind of, um, as we do in education, we do a little recap. Mm -hmm. um, Chris, I love to do recaps <laughs> in terms of um, the, I think one of the main things you said is communication, that we need to communicate and we need to um, realize our assumptions, right? Uh, to be aware of them. Do you want to revisit some of those? 
Yeah, and, and again, just catch yourself making an assumption about what per what a person thinks or believes. If you are X, you must believe Y. Well, not necessarily. And really talk to them and learn about it. Um, be humble enough to challenge some of those assumptions and engage in real dialogue because that's how those relationships will be formed where you can really be an ally and invite people into spaces that they might not feel comfortable otherwise. Um, so avoiding assumptions, diversifying your circle so that you can break down some of that outgroup homogeneity, like they are all the same. We'll get to know some of them and you'll see that they're not all the same. So diversifying your circle. And again, that's where you can invite other people in. If you don't have any people of color in your life that you would feel comfortable talking to, maybe some of your friends do. So maybe you can talk to some of your friends and tell them, hey, I really want to diversify my circle. Can you help me with that? Do you know of a good place to go to for, again, go with something that you like, music, food, fashion, art, whatever. Um, so diversifying the circle, breaking down assumptions, communicating, and listening, clarifying terms to make sure that you're talking about what you think you're talking about. Okay. So if somebody says something and you immediately have this reaction, hold on, hold on, hold on. what do you mean by, hmm, make sure you're talking and arguing if you're going to argue, make sure you're talking about the same thing. thing. Uh, yeah, there's, um, in some of my previous work, there was a, a slogan, I guess it was converse. Don't convince mm. if you, if you mm. enter into a conversation, yeah, you like that? I love that. If you, <laughs> if you enter into a conversation as a debate, the purpose of a debate is to win. Yeah. But the purpose of a discussion is to come away with uh, a mutual understanding. So I think it's a paradigm shift. So instead of entering a conversation to win an argument and, you know, do, do the mic drop and say something really sarcastic and snarky and walk away, well, make it your goal to really dialogue and have that conversation. So converse rather than convince. I love I think it. That, that got me so excited. I started itching because it got me really excited. Because I, I believe well, a lot of people do that, try to convince, and, and I think that's where a lot of frustrations happen in conversation because we're trying to convince someone of what we see, what we believe, when we should just converse. I love it. <laughs> well, now, again, to borrow from Kyle, mm -hmm. that, that's nuanced in yes. and of itself yes. because... I do want to convince people yes. that Black Lives right. Matter. Yes. I don't just want to talk right. about it. Mm -hmm. However... I mean, think about when you were convinced to change your mind of any, about anything. Mm -hmm. It was probably through a relationship mm -hmm. and a dialogue, mm -hmm. not, not through somebody you know, powering yes. over you with, yes. the, with this yes. debate mm -hmm. or presenting all of these facts and figures. Mm -hmm. So you can still have the goal of convincing, yes. but the conversation yes. can be more about conversing. Yes. And then the convincing happens on its own. Right. Again, as a product of people feeling feeling heard and being able to yes. express. Yes. So, and, and again, this is where my privilege shows. It's easy for me to talk about race as a white person. Mm -hmm. I don't, I literally don't have skin in the game. Yes. But to say to a person of color, hey, talk to people about race, uh, 
that's not necessarily safe. So again, mm-hmm. it, it's nuanced. It's nuanced. Yes. But the more we can engage in these dialogues and use relationships yes. and build trust yes. and break down those assumptions, then it, it becomes a virtual circle. The the fewer assumptions you have, mm-hmm. the more trust you have. The more trust you have, the fewer okay. assumptions you have. You know. Yes. So. Yes. I have a couple more questions here. Yeah. Monica says, "What do you think about Jane Elliott's brown eye, blue eye method?" Uh, that's good. If you don't know what that is, Google it. It was uh, all the way back in the 60s. She did the experiment with, uh, I think, third graders, maybe. It, it was really young kids. I think might have been third graders where she had the blue eyed kids put on the, this big collar and then had the brown eyed kids not wear the collar. And she favored the brown eyed kids and discriminated against the blue eyed kids. You know, she would make fun of them, maybe rate them, mm-hmm. hold them in from resource, assume that they're up to no good, yell at them for nothing. And you know, it really got to the point where there was conflict between the blue, brown eyes and the blue eyes, and the blue-eyed kids were disengaging from class. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think you could do an experiment like that these days, but that was the 60s. Yeah. So, um, but trauma. It, it really trauma. Op- it's a yeah. trauma. It's going off in my head. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, Oprah did a reunion show. And it had to be the 90s. It was like the 30th anniversary of that. So those kids had grown up and they came back on Oprah's show and talked about how that changed their lives. Mm-hmm. And then since then, Jane Elliott has um, been a consultant and redone that kind of experiment for businesses, even prison guards, um, just showing them how it feels to be discriminated against and helping people understand what microaggressions are. Yeah. That maybe, maybe it's not this... Uh, this overt insult it's this backhanded compliment <laughs> it's it's these little things that make it wait a minute what am i overthinking this mm-hmm. and then again that has to be exhausting mm-hmm. always having to think that mm-hmm. and so yeah brown eye blue eye i i think that that was great something that i think she was credited with asking um i think later in her career more in the 90s and in the 2000s, would, she would ask her predominantly white audience, raise your hand if you would switch places with a, a black person. Or another permutation of that is if you would want your kids to be treated how black kids are, are treated, raise your hand. Mm-hmm. Who wants to switch places? Mm-hmm. Who, th- who thinks it's equal enough that we could switch places and it would be good? Nobody raises their hand. And she's... She's very tough. She's very blunt. I could not do what she does. Yeah. I don't have the, the personality. But uh, yeah, Google Jane Elliott and see some of her stuff. It's really, really good stuff. Yeah, sounds good. Here are some more questions here. I have mm-hmm. Sophia asking, there's an, oh, well, stating, there's another saying is listen and and don't just wait, wait the talk or talk the talk. Maybe wait, let's wait to talk. Okay, listen and don't just wait to talk. There's another saying, listen and don't just wait to talk. Yeah. yeah, right. Oftentimes yes. we get in a conversation. I'm not even listening because I'm getting ready with what yes. I want to say. And how, how, yes. I'm, I'm going to prove you wrong. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, oh, my God. I mean, the, a similar quote has been attributed to all kinds of people, but uh, seek first to understand and yes. then be understood. Really, and yes. I think, yeah, I think we can learn a lot from that. I like the one that Sophia gave. You know why? Because I think of myself when I have to do a presentation for class. And if any presentations are before mine, I don't hear anything because all I'm thinking is about my presentation. To yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I'm always like, can I just go first? Because I'm not hearing anything. And, you know, because I'm just gearing up in my head how to present. So that makes a lot of sense. And you're really not hearing anything the other person is saying. <laughs> no. And what's, what's funny is that even happens when we go around the room and introduce ourselves. I'm not listening to anybody else's name. I don't remember one name except maybe the person. Because I'm sitting there like, okay, what am I going to say yeah. that's super witty and memorable? You know? So, yeah. We do it all the time. Yeah. Those are interested. Um, Monica said yes. In in terms of, it's they were third graders, and it was the day after Martin um, Luther King died. Um, Ooh! Wow, I'd forgotten about that. That adds some a lot to it. <laughs> it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and Kyle says empathic listening. Yep, we have to mm-hmm. be empathic. Yeah, yep, that's a big thing um, in my field. So. <laughs> really got to take time to listen you know what Chris I have a question for you what got you here uh, I, I don't have his permission to <laughs> use his name but it's um, a friend of mine that I used to play basketball with it was around the same time that I was taking a graduate class on racism. Mm-hmm. And I went into that class thinking, I, I know about this. You know, and I minored in psychology. I understand about in-groups and out-groups and how we look at each other and that kind of thing. And I know this. But I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't. And, you know, I got through half the class with that attitude. And, and I think if I had entered that class with a bit more humility, I would have learned a lot more. Mm-hmm. I still learned a lot in that second half once I had that aha moment that, no, oh, Chris, you don't understand this. Yeah. Listen. Um, so it was a combination of some of the things that we did in that class, like reading Peggy McIntosh's essay, Unpacking the Invisible mm-hmm. Knapsack, mm-hmm. All, all about white privilege. Um, again, the name is Peggy McIntosh. So if you just Google Peggy or Macintosh and Invisible Knapsack, it'll come up. It's a really famous article from the 80s, and it gives all kinds of examples of white privilege. Like, uh, you know, I can go into a store and not be followed, or I can uh, ask for somebody in authority and they'll probably look like me. Most of my teachers look like me and that kind of stuff. And so I remember navigating that and, again, getting over some of my defensiveness saying, well, that's not true of everybody, but no, and that's not what privilege says. It doesn't say all the time, Mm -hmm. but um, so it's a combination of that and uh, playing basketball with my black friend. Mm. We, he he and I had known each other for like nine years. We we were fairly close, but we went on the basketball court and we played with a, a group of black guys that we had never met before. And I noticed that he, he just, I don't know. He just had this rapport with them that I didn't have. And I asked him afterward. I'm like, I don't want to be weird, but it just, you didn't know those guys, right? Because it seemed like you guys knew each other, but you didn't. And you and I had known each other for nine years and you just seemed like you were so much more comfortable mm-hmm. with them. And he, ex- he explained some things like, um, you know, he asked me, have you ever walked down the street and had somebody cross the street or walk by a woman and have her pull her child mm-hmm. or her purse closer mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, no, I haven't. And so, and again, I could have gotten defensive and, well, that doesn't happen to you all the yeah. time. And maybe that could happen to me. Well, no, but it happens just enough that it's a common thing. Just by looking at each other, those black guys knew that they had something in common, mm-hmm. that experience in particular. 
And that just got me thinking like, okay, what else is there? Mm -hmm. What else is so different? And so we talked for a while and then our, our lives kind of went in different directions, but that, that along with that class just really got me thinking. And then I, I, some would say that God put these things in my way, you know, however you want to explain it. it. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I kept running into these, these experiences where I would learn things like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, geez. And I didn't know, I didn't know it was like that for you. And again, that combined with me letting go of that defensiveness, that defensive reaction that, oh, this means that I'm bad as a white person. No. Yeah. Or this means that all white people are like this or, you know, this happens all the time to a black people. No, no, no. Just listen. listen. So that, that's kind of how, how it happened. Yeah. I also learned a lot from my wife. Um, she's white, but just her experience navigating the world as a, as a woman, mm -hmm. there was so much that I didn't get. Like we always had this running joke. We would uh, we met at college, and it was a big campus, NIU, and so we would meet halfway when we would go on dates. And halfway was a little bit farther for me mm. than her. And so it, it was this running joke for like ten <laughs> ten years of our marriage. And then you know she said that she didn't feel comfortable, and, she, and that's why I walked farther, so she didn't have to. And that blew my mind. Mm. Ten years. How did I not understand that? Yes. It's like, oh, you didn't feel comfortable going to places on this campus that you and I knew so well. well. Yeah. Man. And then, you know, she's in the sciences. And so she experiences things differently as a woman in science yes, as opposed yeah, to a man. Yeah. And again, that's not to say that all men are right, this or that, right. or this mm -hmm. happens to her all the time. But it's just this extra stuff that she has to think about yes. and then questions herself for thinking about. It has to be exhausting. Yes. And so as I understood more about that, I then began to understand a little bit more about people of color. And we moved to Zion, and I got involved in some community things that in Zion is exceptionally diverse, mm -hmm. 30, 33, 33, yeah, 33, yeah. white, black, yeah. and brown. And so it, it just kind of uh, kept going from there. Yeah, so even though I asked what, it was more individuals that got you here. It was people. Yes, it, <laughs> people and dialogue. dialogue. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and again, just dropping the assumptions and the defensiveness and listening. Mm -hmm. That's how it started. Yes, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yes. And now you're trying, you continue to try and educate others to get them on the path. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I, on behalf of everyone in my community, black community, I say thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm happy to help. I want to do what I can. Like I said, it, it's that's what I have determined to be the purpose of my life, to inspire others to do good. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's I just want to be useful. Yeah, yeah. Um, any other questions, anyone, before we go? Yeah. And then I'll ask Chris, did you have any last, um, last highlights, last thoughts, <coughs> encouragements? Well, Epiphany, whatever you call it. I'm fresh out of epiphanies. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Any other questions or comments come up? No, I see no, no, nothing else. Just people watching. More people. It seems like more people keep yeah. coming on here. So I think this is an interesting topic for everyone. Yeah. 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 I feel popular. Yes. Mm. Go ahead. You are. <laughs> Sophia says this was yeah. excellent. Um, this was excellent. Thank you. And 
Anthony says, hello, me. <laughs> Cubic. Oh, Mr. Cubic, yeah. <laughs> Mr. What's up, Anthony? <laughs> love seeing you still out there. I love seeing you still out there. Okay, Mr. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yes. So, that's it. Yeah, well, I, I, I guess... The, we kind of wrapped up already, so you all heard my message. So check that website. I'm going to be doing a, a Zoom conversation tomorrow with some folks, and then I'll be working with Britt Dittig on a Zoom that will become a podcast. And on that website, and I'll, I'll post it on my Facebook page as well, um, you can sign up on a Google form, and we can follow up personally or schedule Zoom yeah. or whatever. How, however, I can help keep the dialogue going. going. So tomorrow for your Zoom, is that an open Zoom or is that a, a private discussion? How is that? You need to sign up on that Google form okay. that's linked on that URL, oh, so okay. I'll get that on there. It, I put the link to the survey, the Google form, on my Facebook a few days ago, so it should still be there, okay. but I'll post it again tonight. Okay, and probably posted in here too when we get off uh amaya says hi amaya thank you for your insight it was good conference this is a, a, a young teenager and kyle we go to um we're in a phd program together hi kyle nice <laughs> says, yes thank you both love you too kyle <laughs> yes this was really this was really um good chris thank you i i missed I had something, now it's gone, poof, out of my head. <laughs> I don't remember it. So, again, sorry, I'm kind of a noob with Facebook Live, but will this be posted? We can post a recording of this on our Facebook yes, pages? so it should go okay. directly right, on your page. Once it, I finish up and it loads, it should go directly on your page. And Monica okay. says, great info is on, on the website. So everybody's seen it. I, I missed the letter. So I think now everybody's got it, but we can always okay. put it back in afterwards too. Yeah. Okay. Remember people, it's a work in progress. Don't judge me too much. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get there. Okay. Thank you, Chris, for taking an hour out of your time to do this. Well, thanks for hosting. Really appreciate yes. it. Looking forward to working with you in other capacities. Yes. And I'll ask you here on live. I'm, I've reached out to everyone that I've done this with. Um, to turn i have a podcast as well will you allow me to put it on the um one of my episodes this yeah okay. only if you send me the link yes i will <laughs> deal we've got a deal <laughs> okay thank you thank you everyone um for joining have a good night bye uh, thank you you may follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Lovely Linky and YouTube at Lovely Linky Inspirations on my website at lovelylinkyinspirations.com. You may also email me at lovelylinkyinspirations at gmail.com. Please share, like, and subscribe. Until next time, let's stay connected. So come now, join me next week as we continue to encourage, motivate, and inspire each other. Talk soon. Until then, live good.